Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Hey, welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. My guest today does not need an introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have the legend and the icon, Tony Abuganum. Tony, how's it going? Good, David. Real good. Thank you. Great to be on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, you might hear from one of my dogs here. Uh, just saying <laughs> oh, no <worries>. as well. <laughs> this is the life of the, uh, the Zoom era. You get to hear police sirens and dogs and all types of stuff. <laughs> so you are here today partially to talk about the Helen David Relief Fund at the USBG Foundation. I think the best place to start there is if you can tell us a little about Helen David. No, absolutely. Helen was my cousin. Uh, she and her mother opened the Brass Rail Bar in 1937, which is pretty amazing for women to be in bars at that time, let alone run, open and run a bar. But she opened it in 1937. She ran it for nearly 70 years uh, until her death at the age of 91. They took her from her bar school to the hospital. And yeah, so she, she ran the Brass Rail like she would her living room and treated her customers like guests in her home. And she was the first person to put a cocktail shaker in my hand in 1980. And in her lifetime, she survived breast cancer twice. So in her memory and her honor, she was very philanthropic. She instilled in me the importance of giving back. I started with the USBG, the Helen David Relief Fund to benefit and assist bartenders and their family going through breast cancer. I would love to learn more about the brass rail and what you learned from the brass rail and Helen. Well, David, like I said, that was my first bartending gig. And in 1980, it was a little different. You know, being a bartender was not really a career or a profession that you aspired to. It was still that part-time gig or, you know, I'd tell people I'm a bartender and get all excited. And they would say, well, okay, what do you want to do? I was like, I, I don't know, I'm having a pretty good time being a bartender. Uh, so she was hesitant at first. My dad had to convince her to make me a bartender. And you got to remember, David, I would go into the brass rail as a small boy. And my Uncle Charlie and my Uncle Saul were behind the bar in their starch white shirts and ties with their sleeves rolled up in this beautiful, iconic back bar that my that Helen's father bought from an old hotel that came over from Italy. That back bar is, is over 200 years old and it's just absolutely gorgeous. So you can imagine a small child staring up at this beautiful bar and drinking a Shirley Temple. And then as I got a little older, I would go downstairs and put the empty beer bottles in boxes. So I really grew up in the brass rail. So when I was old enough and Helen took me under her wings and taught me to be a bartender alongside my cousin, Tony, who I'm named for, and my uncle Charlie and Saul, the whole family, and, you know, it was really a special place. And it was a neighborhood joint. You know, it, it was at that time, the cocktails, you know, Manhattans and Old Fashions and Tom Collins in the frosted tall Tom Collins glass with the little plastic mermaid. I was, I love those. <laughs> but, you know, I really got a good foundation at the brass rail, you know, steeped in the classics, learned to make a proper B&B &B for Helen at the end of the night. 
but the lessons learned there were so much more than just how to make a great drink. And like I mentioned how important hospitality was. That was the key. She always said, you know, treat, you know, your customers like you would guests in your home. And that was always, always stuck with me. And one of her great sayings, you know, life lessons was for a nickel more, you go first class. And I always said, I've latched on to that saying, because not only in making a great cocktail, you can't skimp, you only get out of it what you put into it. So you can't skip on the ingredients, but you know, the way you, she would approach life. And one thing, I guess I sum it up in one word with Helen, she would always toast her friends and family with one word, happiness. And I've, I've held on to that and made it my own. And again, to keep a little bit of Helen and her legacy alive. I have noticed when I've gone to Libertine Social, for example, it does feel when you're in the bar area that you are in a living room. Like everyone's hanging out. There's always smiles. Everybody's happy. So I definitely feel like you encapsulated Helen's legacy of this is like my living room. Well, thank you for bringing that up, David, because you, you're absolutely right. And that was even through the hiring and the initial training and putting the team, and I love the word team because it is a team in a bar together, that that was the most crucial ingredient was to make our guests day better after they leave than when they first arrived. And, you know, hospitality is the key to it all. Going to the philanthropic side of Helen's legacy, what is the mission of the Helen David Lee Fund at the USBG Foundation? Well, Helen was nicknamed the First Lady of Port Huron. Uh, Port Huron, Michigan is where the brass rail is. And there wasn't a, a, you know, a softball league that didn't have a brass rail team. There wasn't a hockey league that didn't have a brass rail team. The church, you know, she, she was so philanthropic and it was so important to her to be philanthropic and to give back. And with the Helen David Relief Fund was really designed to assist with all those incidental costs that go along with going through breast cancer. I mean, first you, the shock of being diagnosed and the treatment and the recovery and you're out of work and the rent still needs to be paid and there's co-pays and there's incidental expenses that come along with that. And, and that's really where the Helen David Relief Fund steps in is to help with those expenses so that you can focus on the most important thing and that is getting better. Before we started recording, I asked, I know the number might not be the exact since you have recently given out grants, but how many people have been helped by the fund so far? Well, we established the fund in 2010. And as you know, with any charitable organization, the first few years, just to get the word out and start generating some, some monies and, and making grants available... But since its inception, we've helped 52 uh, bartenders who are or have gone through breast cancer. Well, the fund also is for spouses of bartenders and their children are all also eligible. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and not just for United States bartenders members. We always, obviously, we encourage membership and to, to become a member, but it, it helps anyone in this industry. And it, it could be a spouse, it could be a child. We work a lot with CORE. They, they're a great resource for children of restaurant employees. So yeah, it could be, like I said, you're the breadwinner or you're out of work now or you, you know you're working less and those those expenses those bills don't go away so that's that's it and we also have you know reached out and helped 
other forms of cancer. As a new startup and as we're generating funds to, to assist, primarily the focus is on breast cancer as Helen beat breast cancer twice in her life, which at that time is really a miracle. But yeah, we, we have opened it up to other cancers as well. And on September 13th of this year, Bally's Atlantic City is hosting a 25-mile bike ride, and that will benefit the fund. So what can you tell us about that event? Yeah, we love Frank. Frank is a huge supporter of the Helen David Ridley Fund, the United States Bartenders Guild Charitable Foundation. He, along with the Bally's Resorts that he works for, I've done a ride with him in the past. I was scheduled to be in Atlantic City to join him for this ride. It not only is kicking off our Team Negroni rides for the year, which are focused primarily in October, as October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but this also kicks off Negroni Week. And the name of our bicycle team is Team Negroni. The Negroni and bicycles, uh, Italy, Campari, it all really is a beautiful fit. And Campari has been a major supporter and sponsor of the Helen Dave Relief Fund and Team Negroni since its inception. So through bicycle rides and with the one in Atlantic City that I'm so bummed that I'm not going to be there, but I'm going to ride 25 miles out in Red Rock here in Las Vegas before I head down to Allegiant Stadium because it's the uh, opening day for our Las Vegas Raiders. And since I do the drinks there, I'm obligated to be there. And that's why I can't be in Atlantic City. But my heart and soul will be with Frank and everyone on their bicycle in Atlantic City as they kick off the Helen David Relief Fund Team Negroni bicycle rides for 2021. Anyone who knows of you or knows you, there's a, there's a lot to know, but they do know that you love a Negroni <laughs> and that you love to go on bike rides. And I have to ask when you started getting into so into bikes and, and what inspired you to, to ride so often and so many miles on top of it. <laughs> well, thank you. I wish I could say I was inspired to ride bikes by the Negroni, but uh, it was pre-Negroni for me. It was shortly after high school. I, I bought my first road bike and started riding and just fell in love with it. And I still have my 1982 green Bianchi racing bike that uh, I couldn't get on today if my life depended on it. But uh, yeah, through college, I was did a lot of bicycle riding, never made it to be an official bicycle racer. And still to this day, I would never dream of that. But I love to get out. I, I just feel so free. It's so good, not only, you know, physically to get out and get the heart pumping and the lungs working and the legs, but it's just that time alone on the bike and outside. And it's so beautiful here in Las Vegas. When we get out to Red Rock and just clear your head and soak in the vitamin D and fresh air. And it just, I don't know. And at the end of it, a Negroni is the perfect reward. So I, I didn't discover the Negroni until years later in 1991. Thank God I did. But uh, yeah, I've been bicycling. And can't you tell by this felt of course <laughs> this physique of mine I mean, don't i look like a bicycle rider i'm never going to be the first one across the line david but i will always finish the ride uh and like i said after 25 or 50 miles on a bike and a brony sure does taste good hi there just a quick message before we get you back to this episode 
If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. What is the longest ride you've taken? The longest ride I've ever done is a little over 100 miles, and I've done it on several occasions. I do this ride for No Kid Hungry, which is three days, 300 miles. That hasn't happened the last couple of years just due to the pandemic, but that was the first time I did 100 miles. Last year, during the month of October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I set out on a quest to what I call ride a thousand miles for Helen. So in the month of October last year, I rode 1000 miles. So there were several hundred plus mile days and that's sun up to sundown on a bicycle. Like I said, I'm not the fastest guy, but I, I will get them done. And I'd like to invite anyone who'd like to join me this October. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm setting out for a, a thousand miles for Helen. Last year, two other bartenders joined me on the quest. I'm hoping there'll be more this year. And that is going to include some stops in cities that'll be hosting, much like Atlantic City is uh, next month, that'll be hosting rides for the USBG and the Helen David Relief Fund. Miami, I believe, is going to have a ride. Chicago, San Francisco, Orange County, Reno, Honolulu, Texas. So there are a lot of places, if you live in any of these uh, states and you're a USBG member, contact them, see if there's a ride being hosted or help arrange a, a, a ride. I'd love to come join you. You mentioned the Raiders. You mentioned the cocktails at Allegiant. So if we could switch gears a little bit, what are you seeing out and about as far as some cocktail trends? You know, some of the things that I'm finding that, that out that, I mean, a return to simplicity, David, it seems like at this time, the more esoteric ingredients have kind of as wonderful as that is, the creative side, but it seems like we've returned a little bit to simplicity and not trying to recreate the wheel, but just make a really great wheel. And I use a highball as an example, the return of the ritual of the highball. I was in Japan a couple of years ago and I was just blown away by the, the focus that is placed on such a simple two ingredient drink from the proper iceware, the proper glass, uh, balance, great carbonated mixer, um, all of those little details that go into making this simple, ordinary drink extraordinary. A Campari and soda can be such an amazing drink when all those details are really taken into account. Um, when I was in Milan visiting Campari in their tasting room, they have this machine that makes this really super carbonated water. And it's the right balance to Campari to soda and it just, it becomes something so unreal. So paying attention to, to details. I think bitter is big. Again, I think people are, are really paying attention and embracing Amari, the Aperol Spritz, one of my favorite, favorite summertime drinks. I'm so, again, simple to make three easy ingredients that come together in beautiful harmony and just, you know, it's sunshine in a glass. So uh, I think simple, I think bitter, uh, obviously agave is huge. American whiskey, whiskey in general is, is big, but I, I think for a while, at least the, the days of the six, seven, eight ingredient cocktail have taken a backseat to 
really just simple cocktails, simple drinks, three ingredient cocktails, highballs, but done really, really well. I learned a lot about Pisco from you at Tales a few years ago. So are there any spirits right now that have your attention, specific cocktails? David, it's funny that you, you mentioned Pisco. I've, I keep waiting for us to embrace Pisco. I've never made someone a Pisco sour who hasn't said, oh, this is just like drinking a flower. It's just so lovely. It's just, uh, you know, the egg white and the little aromatic off the bitter and the Pisco itself. I just keep waiting for that category to hit. You know, you have the Pisco punch, you have the Pisco sour, you have Chilcanos. I mean, all very simple Pisco-based drinks. We talked about Amaris. I think, yeah, definitely Amaris. But as a category, and this isn't something that I've, again, waited for us, when I say us, I'm, I'm Americans to embrace the idea of the aperitivo, the aperitif hour, uh, that time at the end of the workday when friends, family get together for a short period of time and drink a lower ABV aperitif, you know, and talk about the day for an hour, have a couple spritzes, and then go on your merry way. So I'm very excited about aperitifs and that whole concept of the aperitivo and the aperitivo hour. And I, you know, I'd like to see that become a bigger part of our lifestyle here in the United States. So not that you're not busy enough, but is there anything that you've got in the works? Uh, <laughs> another book, a new bar, any kind of special events? It's so funny, uh, David, you mentioned a, a new book. Pre-COVID, I started working on my next book. And as we, I mean, no one had a crystal ball or really had any idea of what this pandemic was going to, uh, it would last this long. And that this, I'm going to take advantage of this time to focus in on the book. I think during the pandemic, I got less writing done than I did before it. It's just, I don't know where the days went. It was hard to stay focused and motivated. But yes, there is a new book. But what I'm most excited about right now are the Tag Global Spirits Awards. And this is uh, myself, Julio Bermejo, and David Grapshi are launching the Tag Global Spirits Awards in October. If we're good Lord willing, we, you know, the Delta variant doesn't continue on the course it's going, but launching it here at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, end of October. And the beautiful thing that what we're setting out to achieve is bringing the two worlds of the consumer, the enthusiast, the end user, and the person enjoying spirits together with all these wonderful global judges. We're bringing judges in from four continents. So it truly is a, a global competition. The judging will take place over four days. It'll end on Saturday with the grand finale is what we're calling it, where the best of best will be announced. That evening, we're going to have the Pink Tie Gala. It'll be outside at the Marea Pool. And the Pink Tie Gala benefits the Helen David Relief Fund. So all proceeds from the Pink Tie Gala will go to the Helen David Relief Fund. Supplier partners will have tables set up. There'll be tastings, there'll be cocktails, there'll be featured bartenders. But during the course of the four days, there'll be dinners, there'll be educational tracks, there'll be what we're calling fireside chats, where consumers will get to sit with a Dale DeGroff, will get to sit with a Dave Wondrich, a Salvatore Calabresi, and, you know, have a drink. And, and you know, so the opportunity to have these judges in Las Vegas, but yet to share that experience with spirit enthusiasts, uh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm so, so, so excited for the Tag Global Spirits Awards again at Mandalay Bay, 
October 27th through the 30th. Pink Tie Gala benefiting the Helen David Relief Fund. There'll be a lot of USBG members working as volunteers. And it's, it's just going to be a, a gathering of like-minded individual to taste some of the world's finest spirits and then share them with the consumers that love them. That is very exciting. I did not know that was happening. And now I'm going to put that on my calendar because that, that's too good to miss. Love to have you in Las Vegas, or, or should I say, David, back in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> share a dram or two. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful. So before we go, is there anything you'd like to say to the audience? Well, I've been very blessed to work in this industry now for over 40 years. It's been very, very good to me. I try to uh, lead by example. I try to be a little better today than I was yesterday. Through the Helen David Relief Fund and Team Negroni, I, I encourage bartenders, not only is it so important to be philanthropic, they say that the best thing that you can do for yourself is to give to others in need. But through joining Team Negroni, and I would encourage any bartender who either rides a bike or has thought about riding a bike or wants to join to do so. You know, this is a difficult profession that we work in, Dave. You know, it's long nights, it's uh, weekends, it's holidays. And, you know, we don't always take the best care of ourselves. And that needs to be first and foremost. So by joining Team Negroni, by donating to the Helen David Relief Fund, we're helping those less fortunate the same time we're helping ourselves by getting on a bicycle, getting outside, getting in better shape, getting our head clear, and you know, really making a difference for ourselves in this wonderful profession that we live and work in. Tony, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you've got a million things going on, so I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Well, it's time to get on the bike. Uh, like I said, right now I'm, I'm training to kick off my quest to ride a thousand miles for Helen in October. So I, I am spending a fair amount of time on my bike getting ready and just getting excited. Very excited about what's next. Very excited about the future and very excited to uh, ride that thousandth mile for the Helen David Relief Fund come October. Fantastic. Have a great one. Thank you very much, David. And if anybody wants to uh, follow my training, follow my journey, my quest, MDRN Mixologist on Instagram. I'm also tracking all my rides on Strava. So if you uh, are a Strava person, uh, friend me and we'll follow each other's training. And themodernmixologist.com uh, is my website. So information there as well. And we will see you on the road. Thank you for listening to the Bar Hacks podcast produced by KRG Hospitality and hosted by me, David Clem. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Twitter at AskBarHacks and Instagram at BarHacks. Talk to you soon.